0: Nine two
1: five three seven seven star. You have a plan for your life, you've set goals, you know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding star style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas. Ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now.
2: You are tuned in to the Power Hour. This is Star Style, Be The Star You Are, brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be The Star You Are charity. Welcome to our informational playground. We are your hosts. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we do have a very fun show for you today. We're going to start it off talking about wine. Wish I had a glass in front of me right now, but since I have a show following this, I can't do it. But Heather's going to talk about winology in segment one. In the segment two, we want you to have a happier, healthier garden. So I'm going to show you how to bring the birds and more life for the birds into your garden. And in segments, we were going to talk about taking time to appreciate the simple things in life. Like I ate a sandwich by a Fountain and I watched the birds and the bees today, and it was very simple, but I really, I really loved it. The miracle moment for today is brought to you by Be the Star You Are, getting ready for the Pear Festival. Brooks Albright, La Mirinda Weekly, and Verbruga Construction are our sponsors coming up on September 26th, so don't miss it. And this source is unknown. It's not who you are that holds you back, it's who you think you're not. Hmm. Mm. Think about it, (laughs) See, we never give ourselves enough credit, do we, Heather? I mean, I think we're our own, we're always our own worst critics, we're always finding what's wrong with us, all of those kind of things. All right, well, we're going to jump right into wine, something that both Heather and I are very passionate about. I grew up on, in the vineyards, I grew up in Napa Valley, my whole family is in, or most of my family are in the wine industry somewhere. But what happens um, if the sulfite level in wine or even some foods is high and sometimes it triggers a reaction in people with an allergy to sulfites, but it's not always that. So Heather's going to talk a little bit about wine and uh, what we need to know. So take it away, my dear.
3: Oh, sure. When it comes to wine, let's say there is many varietals and as you know, especially being in the wine industry, an interesting thing I think a lot of times that uh, when people discuss wine, they usually think red, white, and it's really much more complex is that um, there's, gosh, I don't have the exact number around of of, of exactly how many. You may possibly know um, how many there is, but there's just so many things, and I feel when it comes to wine, I really know nothing when you think about the amount of uh, wine history that comes into our life and into our family history, and we've we've discussed once before about uh, the documentary Psalm, which really explains these people that know so much about wine and um, these sommeliers that a lot of times we almost kind of think of them as just another uh, server or you know a bartender, almost that these are these exactly, people and it's oh so my.
2: much more. Oh my goodness! I mean, to be a, Psalm, oh my God. To be a so sommelier, it's really
3: important. And, you know, and there's there's still, you know, there's very much things about wine that, um, you know, I think and as as you probably have experienced really, truly firsthand of growing up in the wine industry and of being it more, you know, for being for farm purposes, for eating, than of what wine developed into, um, there's so many things that now it's it's really, it's, it's a very popular beverage. Um, and there's so much information, so so many things that kind of get misled into um I don't want to say that people feel a little stuck up is the best thing I can think, but they're just clear that people maybe feel embarrassed to go to a restaurant to ask questions and and not know. And there's there's certain these uh, almost faux pas that have seemed to dissipate that I think of as well. Um, One thing, too, is that cork versus screw. uh, That sounds kind of out of context. That sounded very odd. But um, for a long time, you know, we've had this whole thing about, having uh, wine uh with uh wine with a, a cork in it
2: only wine a cork, right.
3: screw in it. And today screw caps are actually replacing corks um more more than ever because one they're they're inexpensive and they're actually a lot of times people think about well about seventy five percent of um screw caps or excuse me of, of wine bottles now are becoming screw caps. And a big thing about that is Um, We always think, you know, I do always love, like, the the essence and the really just the neatness about um, the corks, but um, the thing with it now is that, one, it's more eco-friendly, it's more cost-wise, and they've found that they can actually preserve things um, potentially longer or safer within uh, cork bottles or excuse me with screw bottles um, because if you've ever heard the term of cork that sometimes what happens bacteria gets into the cork then it gets into wine and then you have a wine bottle that you may have been saving um, or you know something really nice and special and it ends up being not so good not so not so enjoyable as we've experienced this time before um, other things top producers in the country people again Italy takes it number one um, the United States coming about fourth and I think a main thing of that um, would be coming from uh, California. Um Excuse me. The main thing coming from California, but as we know, that Oregon is very up and coming with it. Washington as well. Every state is more and more. France and Spain take second, and third. And a biggest thing I think when it comes to wine is the misconception um, about aging wine. Uh, a lot of times people think you have this wine, and they're misled by uh, the age on, on a bottle of wine. People see, seem to think, oh, the younger, the year. Oh, wow, that must be so special. But there's really um, only about, uh, well, actually actually, about 90% of wines um, should be consumed within the first year of them being purchased. Um, there's only about, again, that other 10%, and they say that you're usually about a fine Bordeaux, really nice Cabernet from California, um, and then very uh, nice vintage port style wines. Should be safe these maximum times. Um, I definitely think things get better with, with a couple of years on it. We've kind of had that uh, yes and no situation with some of the things that have happened. Um, well, they have to be that-
2: stored correctly too. I mean, if wine's not stored correctly, then it really doesn't matter. You know, it's going to go bad. <laughs> if it's if it's stored properly and it's turned, it's lay. Like, you know, it's on it on its side. Um, it usually can last quite a while. Now whites aren't gonna last as long as reds, of course.
3: Of course, of course, and, and you know, and something, too, is that whites, I usually feel, you know, if you're ever, if you're bringing a bottle of wine to someone, um, sometimes, you know, I feel if you're, one, always feel comfortable to ask someone if you're at, you know, even just the grocery store or the wine shop, but uh, honestly, whites, it's really hard to have a bad white. Sometimes, you know, that uh, sometimes you can have a, you know, great cheap white, sometimes you can have a not-so-good cheap red, um, and again, never just go by price, but but um, sometimes whites are a little uh, uh, foolproof and that if you're to, to get to someone or, or to bring that you have to worry that, that you don't have to worry about them uh, being something that's not going to taste the way you thought it would be. Um, also, the whole thing about you know the United States and, and getting exports, I found this fact that I felt almost troubling um, that the top imported wine sold uh, in the United States um, is Yellowtail from Australia, which I'm nothing against them, but it's been pretty... I've old. never heard of that. Really? Yeah. Wow. It is the biggest, yeah, the biggest import. And, um, but also, you know, it's, it's one thing, too, is I feel... Uh, I'm someone who just recently, in the last few years, got into more craft-style beers. Um, and America, you know, we love the Bud Light, the Budweiser, you know, all these really, I really think it's just sort of uh, water with, it's more water than alcohol. They're just, I just find them just lagers. This would be terrible, but it's the American classics. That's what people think of. Um, so this In car, Europe, this,
2: in Europe, they call American beer le pipi.
3: Oh, I can imagine <laughs> I can imagine. Um, it's, yeah, so then that's the number one import of it, and also a big thing too. You know, is that now a lot of celebrities are getting on uh, the wine thing. That uh, recently, I'm not sure if it was last year or this year. Um, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt they released a rosé because they own some some amount some. Some vineyards in France, and yeah, that I've they paid sixty
2: million dollars for, and they have a uh, an uh, alliance with a very prominent winemaker there. And you know, the rosé um, here in America, the number one selling wine, American wine. You know what it is? What white Zinfandel? No way. That way, is so and so it's like they're calling it. In France, there's a rosé, or if it's made from a zinfandel kind of grape, it's a very dry, you know, rosé style. But here in America, it's something like I was just reading. Uh, it it's it's decreased a bit, but it's still like 17 million. Do I want to say barrels? I better not give the exact amount. I was just reading it. I don't have it at my fingertips, but I was like shocked at at that. Anyway, continue about the rosé and. And yeah. Well, and you Virginia. know what just
3: to say is that for me personally, um, I'm someone, and again, another a, a thing that people want a very popular wine uh, is uh, Pinot Noir, and I am personally not a big Pinot fan. I think everyone's allowed for their own palate, their own flavors, all that great stuff. Um, but for me personally, it's just a little too light. I like a more heavier, meatier uh, red when it comes to that. I mean, I completely can understand you know people want this rosé. Personally, I have there's been very few rosés that excuse me that I've enjoyed, but the few that I have, I've just absolutely loved. And I've heard um, really good things about this one, this uh, Joey Pitt Corroboration. Um, but there's also many other celebrities that have you know hopped on the bandwagon. Drew Barrymore has um, something that is one that uh, I think she I'm not sure how much she produces or any other, but I know that um, she makes a Pinot Grigio. And it's something called like butterfly or flower child or daisy or something cute. Something cute like that. Um another that thing. That's her personality. Be- 100%. And another thing that's um, really interesting is if you've ever had anyone talk about any possibly allergies or things they may have with wine. I had a girlfriend, actually, that I used to work with that um, said she was allergic to wine. And I said, why? And she said, oh, I get um, I break out in hives. They get rashes c- because of the sulfate. And now sulfate's found in a lot of things. I personally do get it. I can, you know, that's a true and honest thing. Um, the sulfate a lot of times is, uh, if you think about it, it's preserved things it's put into dried fruits as well um, there's particularly when I eat those little dried ginger candies, they have a lot of the sulfate in it and the sugar and for whatever reason it tastes so good to me, but I always break out in hives, I'm that person that knows they shouldn't uh, but you know, nothing's going to kill me, I'm just very uncomfortable while I'm eating this delicious thing, so that happens um, they say with about 10% Americans experience um, various uh, forms of this sort of uh, allergic reaction to wine. And this could be things too as well um, from the and On And if you look at yeah, wine bottles, right. You nice, know, I just wanted to jump in there when
2: you talk about sulfur and dried fruits because I worked in the fruit yards for many years as a child and as a teenager. And the dried fruit yards, they use sulfur to dry the fruits. And I can still to this day like smell it and feel it on my body. But I too, it made it hard for me to breathe. So a lot of exactly. times when I eat dried fruit today, if you notice, you'll get that sulfury taste. It's what dries it. It's what, you know, makes it, it preserves it. Sulfur is a preservative, basically. But uh, I am one of those people that have a slight allergy to it. So I understand that you can, you know, you can get sick from it. you got to be careful.
3: Yeah. And, and you know, a big thing, in and, a and way, I mean, sulfur, I mean, it, is, it is a preservative, but in a way, sulfur is a natural Preservative, as there is in you know natural uh you know sulfur springs and stuff, but it is absolutely, it totally is that, you know. It's- it's better than something but it's still it's still hard on our bodies in ways. And a lot of times, you know, sometimes people you know, when they drink red wine they feel, you know, scratchy eyes or coffee or just as, you know, the typical things as as allergies. Not saying a severe allergic reaction just as we feel with day to day allergens. And a majority of cases for a lot of these things when people say, you know, oh that they experience a headache or they don't feel good. Well a lot of things that happens, your body gets dehydrated when you're drinking wine. That goes for all alcohol. Um, especially with wine, as probably in many, it's, trust me, I've been down that road once before. It was not fun. Uh, you have so much fun when you go wine tasting, but the, something, the thing that a lot of times we don't realize is wineries tend to be open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And in real life, we're usually not drinking red wine between the hours of 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. It's usually after 5 p.m. that we to Yeah, start exactly. An what a thought. Yeah, who yes, So exactly. Our bodies are not used to that. And and there's that thing that oh you know I'm just having a little bit of this because at night time we feel like we've worked hard we you know we have our full big glass of wine and we take our time with that we're eating a meal but when you do these wine tastings they usually start earlier in the day because you might want to hit a few of them so you might start at even just eleven o'clock usually you know your Sunday thing and you're trying these little bits of wine but so early in the day when a lot of times some people maybe you know I haven't eaten yet or just done very little things there, there isn't a lot of surplus in your body usually so you start drinking wine and even those little sips that, you know, they're pouring one ounce pours. Well, wine typically is only, a glass of wine isn't an eight ounce glass, a glass of wine is four ounces. So usually when you go and do these tastings, they'll be anywhere from one to two, and sometimes um, you know, you, that you might like a glass, you want to revisit, and sometimes they, they may offer many tastings. Um, so usually after, you know, two uh, places, you're pre lit. So that's the thing too, is a lot of times people need to remember for every ounce of alcohol, whether it be wine but since we're talking about wine, we're gonna wine, drinking wine, drink water. What happens with our body when we get dehydrated? Why we get hung over some things is our body doesn't have enough of the water and it needs to send all these electrolytes, all these nutrients to our body and without that proper um, uh, rehydration, our body can't function properly. And that's why, you know, we get muscle cramps. A headache are basically sort of like your brain cramping up that it isn't getting enough oxygen. It isn't getting enough water that's presumed to it. So just as another sort of side tip when it comes to going wine tasting and things about it is, is uh, making sure that, you know, you have little snacks. We always kind of have a little cooler with cheese and, and, you know, crackers and little snacks throughout the day because usually what, you know, tends to happen in these wine areas. That they usually don't stop ambient. for lunch when
2: you're wine tasting yeah, you usually don't and the water est- thing that you're talking about i think is absolutely crucial so you know plan on that bring a bottle of water because most wineries even though they might have a water fountain they're not usually offering you glasses of water you know so you do have to have it
3: yeah and the same thing you know with that sulfate is that various just as um, you know, palate wise it's just as why you may say, Oh, you love Cabernet, but that doesn't mean you live all Cabernet. It means you love the Cabernet from XYZ winery. Um, same thing goes with different sulfur levels and different things. So you'll be able you know, if anyone has any allergies, they'd be able to detect what allergies or what particular um wines or wineries, uh, wine products. Um, are affecting them the most. It's kind of have these negative things. And just kind of some last thing here, just kind of tip-for-toe, interesting facts about stuff going on with wine. Um, U.S. top producers, um, the top five producing states for Cal, uh, for, excuse me, well, I already revealed number one. Um, of the top uh, producing things, as I was just going to, is that Cal about how America is, though we rank number five in export, that in America it feels so, um, so luscious right now that there's so much of it. That uh, California is the number one producer, obviously, that puts about 3.4 million tons of grapes are crushed um, each wine season. Washington. Wow, comes I'm second. glad we're not stomping and, them ourselves. Interesting enough, New York comes in a third. Oregon is a very close fourth, and then rounding up the top five is Pennsylvania. Um, however, Who was second again, Heather? Who was second? Uh, second, second was Washington. Oh, Washington. But California oh, yeah, like, California yeah. produces 3.4 million. Washington comes in second with 145,000. New York with 45,000. Oregon with 40,000 uh, 40, 40, tons, these are. And Pennsylvania coming in fifth. Is at thirteen thousand two hundred. So, California is the obviously the top producer of that. Um, Now, Pennsylvania, I would have never thought. You know,
2: never. I wouldn't, and I would have thought that Oregon was second.
3: Washington to be second. I would have thought Oregon to be third. But Oregon is only about 5,000 tons. New York, I would have never even uh, guessed that on my radar. But I guess I'm just unfamiliar with uh, New York wines. So maybe next, uh, maybe next wine tasting, next wine date, we'll have to break out the New York wines. See well, what that's our all visit. about. You know,
2: when you visit, I visited up in the Hudson River Valley, and there are Lots and lots of um, um, uh, wineries there,
3: and well, it's, there and you delicious. go. There's your producing portion of the state. See, I was just completely unaware of that. Yeah, well,
2: you know what? They have so many good wines there, and some and the wineries are really, really pretty, and they've been going on for a really, really long time. So, yeah, I mean, isn't it fun when
3: you find out new things?
2: I oh, think 100. that's what's exciting.
3: Yeah, especially when it comes to alcohol, because usually when uh, wine and I are hanging out, I'm usually losing and forgetting things. So I love that I'm learning things all about wine right now. So it's a good combo for for afternoon delight. And it's just about time happy hour getting here now. So right. before we tell <laughs> off to have our little oh, wait, did you have something else you'd love to share about wine? No, life?
2: I was just going to say I would like to raise a glass right now, but of course I'm going to have to wait for a couple of hours because I still have uh, another show to do (laughs) but it does sound like a wonderful thing and uh, you know about this time depending where you are in the in the world or the U.S. um, people are uh, starting to get ready to have that afternoon delight but this was all good information and just to round it up if you are going to be out wine tasting or whatever just to remember to drink a lot of water and get food in your stomach. That is the key. You know, we all need food in our stomach. And um, is there any other last tip you wanted to say? No, those are my last
3: things. I just wanted to give out our website. Oh, Let yeah. You to know, go to BeTheStarYouAre.com as well as BeTheStarYouAre.org. And you can check out all the things that are going on uh, with the show as well as with you and, and everything going on with the books and everything else. Well, that sounds great, and visit
2: StarStyleRadio.com to uh, get information on what events are happening and what is happening with the the charity. And again, Pear Festival is September 26th, so mark your calendars. When we come back from break, we're going to go into the garden, and we're going to talk about the birds. I love birds. All right, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan. And Heather Brittany. On Star Style, Be The Star You Are, we're coming live to you on the Voice America Network, the empowerment channel. Do not go away. The
1: star you are. The star you are.
4: Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
0: Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts. as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, here's Cynthia
1: Bryan.
2: Hello, hello, hello. I am back. I am Cynthia Bryan. We are coming to you live on the Voice American Network. And this is the Empowerment Channel, where hopefully we are catapulting you to the stars because... We're brought to the airwaves under the SBCs of the charity, Be the Star You Are. And we really do believe our motto, Read, Lead, Succeed. We want to create leaders. And to be a leader, you must be a reader. So we hope that you are reading books. If you're interested in any of the books that I have written and published, you can visit StarStyleRadio.net and go to the Star Style store. You can get autographed copies. And all the money is a donation to the charity. And they make great gifts, so make sure to do that. You know, there's always some celebration, and a book is a gift that lasts forever. Well, as you all know, I am a major gardener, and I'm very excited because uh, in the next month, I will be speaking at the National Garden uh, Symposium that's going to be happening in Pasadena, and what my topic is, is I'm going to be lecturing to garden writers and professionals about how to be on the radio and television, how to be a producer and interview like a star, and of course, I will relate it to the garden industry, so uh, I'm very excited about that. After being on the air since 1998 and being on television since the 1980s, I think I might have something to say about this. But as you know, with I have a column called Digging Deep, Gardening with Cynthia. I've been doing this, well, I think it's going on 10 years now. And on top of that, I'm the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Gardener Soul. But something that I've never been an expert in, but I've enjoyed my entire life, I get just a kick out of the birds. So I thought I would talk about the birds. And if you've ever heard or read the essayist and poet Joseph Addison, I mean, he he was quite old. He's from 1672. He died in 1719. He had this wonderful quote, and he said, I value my garden more for being full of blackbirds than full of cherries. And very frankly, I give them fruit for their songs. And that's how I feel. Some of my favorite birds are the mockingbirds and the finches that just are constantly singing. And I, I, I just have the best time listening to them. In fact, you might... Um, You might go out to your own garden and just start listening to the sounds of the birds. Are you actually attracting birds to your backyard? In the past few months, I've been receiving numerous emails and actually calls from readers of my garden columns. And um, I've been getting emails literally from around the world asking some questions about our flying friends. And what I'm finding is that many people in many different states and countries are indicating that the bird population has increased in their landscape, and some gardeners are enjoying first-time visitors. They've never seen this bird before, and they don't know what it is, but they're happy it's there. There's robins and sparrows and hummingbirds and crows and red-tailed hawks and quail and morning doves and jays and owls and chickadees, wrens, bush tits, mockingbirds, as I said, thrashers, robins, yellow warblers, finches, larks, wrens, orioles, blackbirds, tanagers and of course so many other species are calling home your backyard. Here where I live, we also have the turkeys. I have a family of about 20 that literally live in my uh, front yard, front garden and they don't they're digging all the time. I actually think that their manure is good for the garden. <laughs> and then we have lots and lots of um of uh, like turkey vultures around and hawks and owls, which I like. And those are all good, too, for the garden. Now, something really fun, this past week I adopted a one-wing cockatiel named Spunky. And he and I immediately bonded because he's the one that actually spawned the idea to write about and to talk about the benefits of birds because he actually had been attacked by a raccoon had lost his wing, but survived, and because he's such a survivor, he um, he can climb, he can't fly, but he climbs, and so I adopted him, and he is just the sweetest, sweetest guy, and he never stops talking, you know, whenever I'm near, he just chat, 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 chats, and pretty soon, I'm sure he's going to be repeating what I say, And I am a novice at identifying many of these wonderful creatures, but, you know, they've always fascinated and entertained me. I have quail uh, that have their newly hatched covey and they convene on my lawn, or I have robins that lay their eggs in a wreath that I have on my back door every year, and I get to watch these babies, these little eggs, these pretty little blue eggs crack open and then the, the... the little tiny birds inside, you know, opening their beaks. And the moms coming and bringing them worms and feeding them. It's really quite interesting. Now, this year, the airspace around my home is particularly jammed with crows cawing. And I actually thought I was experiencing kind of a remake of the birds. I was a little scared when a convention of turkey vultures and crows assembled on my rooftop And I snapped a photo of a couple of them, but then I had to jump in my car for safety because it was like an entire flock, about 20 other buzzards and crows landed. And I have no idea what was going on or what they were after. And I've never seen it happen before, and I've never seen it happen since. But these are huge, huge birds, and they were making this big, big racket. Now, you might be wondering how long birds have been on the planet. In 1859, there were fossils found in Bavaria dating to 140 million years ago that suggested that modern birds evolved from a feathered ancestor that is called Archaeopteryx, and it's similar to a dinosaur. Now, it was just about the size of a crow, and Interestingly, it is most likely the probable ancestor of over 9,000 species of birds that inhabit our planet today. So what is the appeal of birds in our backyards? Well, it's numerous, the benefits. First of all, watching their antics and enjoying their beautiful plumage as well as their melodious song is intriguing. But the grand dividend, if you are a gardener, is their free assistance as garden helpers. Because birds are constantly turning over leaves, scratching and molt, flitting from bush to tree, finding their meal of insects that we never see. Birds such as flycatchers and swallows, they decimate flying pests. And seed-eating birds will glean 95% of the weed seed that grows every season. And I'm hoping that's why I have so many birds. I have so many weeds, you know, so I could use more birds. So when we welcome birds to our backyards, we're actually creating a home landscape that will naturally ward off disease and pests. Now, bacteria and spores struggle to survive as our gardens become more organic. So when we start creating a natural balance between pests and plants, your garden is going to be healthier, happier, and more beautiful. So if you're interested in maintaining some flocks of birds in your personal aerial garden as your rescue crew, Here are a few things that you need to do. Number one is water. A water feature is an absolute magnet for birds and especially in the hot summer months that we are experiencing now when water is scarce. Now, if you add a bird bath, a pond or a fountain for them to bathe, drink and even forage, because birds, if you have moving water, it's better because they can hear the sound of running water from great distances. So uh, I said earlier in segment one that today I had my lunch sitting out by a fountain. And it was so fantastic. It was just so simple. But all I did was watch the birds and the bees. And it's really hot today here in Northern California. So lots and lots of bees were landing on the top of the fountain to get a drink. And then the birds would come. And there were these beautiful yellow finches and a gorgeous oriole. And they would just come in and get, get, you know, get their sip and then they'd fly off. And then the hummingbirds would come. And these, I think they were Anna's hummingbirds, these pretty green, very iridescent birds. So the, the water, the, the moving water is what really attracts them. Now you can just have a bird bass, but you do need to change the water often. Uh, And that is good for the butterflies and the bees as well. But I think you'll find usually that birds will go to a water feature that has moving water. Now, shelter. Birds need to be protected from the whims of Mother Nature. Now, many birds just love brush piles that offer cover. And they search for nest building areas. And they will find your birdhouses, especially if you place them in sites that mimic natural surroundings. Some birds, like wrens, will reside nightly in a birdhouse just to keep warm and safe. They won't even do their, lay their eggs in there. You can also install roosting boxes and shelves. And if you already have a birdhouse, just make sure to keep them clean. You know, Michael uh, DeCervantes wrote, never look for this year's birds in last year's nest because they usually do not use the same nest every year. And, and last year's nest could have mites in it. Food. Now, bird feeders offer a bird's eye view of their acrobatic displays. So, you know, it also supplements their meals, and it could be the difference between life and death, especially in the winter months. What to include? Seed, suet, fruit, nuts, and nectar for the hummingbirds. And in the winter, you do want to make sure to continue feeding. Now, if you plan to stop feeding your birds, you want to slowly wean them so you uh, you know that they'll learn to hunt for themselves and you don't want to cut off their food supply. Now, one of my readers wrote me, who really loved birds, that because she was feeding her birds with bird seed, she was attracting the rats. And I want to say that that is true, is that Rats and birds maybe go together in that uh, the rats do love birdseed, and if you're keeping your birdseed outside or not in a covered bin, the rats are going to gnaw into it. If you just have a sack, and they're going to get it. So if you're going to feed birds, feed them other than the hummingbirds. Feed them away from your house. Feed them up in the trees. Feed them farther away in more natural settings. And then you're not going to have to worry about the, um, the rat population exploding. Now, plants. Plant evergreens, vines, shrubs, annuals, and perennials. Birds especially enjoy fruit-bearing trees like peach, plum, apricot, and elderberry, as well as seed-bearing plants like black-eyed susan, cosmo, and sunflowers. Now, hummingbirds are attracted to deep, red-throated flowers that have nectar. So, you want to include maybe some scarlet trumpet vine in your yard. Native species can include mustard, wild pea, poppy, shooting star, milkweed, larkspur, lupine, columbine, anemone, bleeding heart, and verbena. All of these will draw the hummingbirds, the butterflies, and the seed and insect-eating birds to your backyard. So, if you take care of your birds, They're going to take care of your garden because I like to say that life is always for the birds. Now, we do have a few mid-month tips for you. This is the time of the year to go out into your backyard and pick your uh, eggplant, your corn, your watermelon, and your peppers and grill it on the barbecue. Brush it with olive oil and garlic and sprinkle with salt or sage or cilantro for just a really delicious treat. And you may be saying, what, what you know, grill watermelon? Just try it. I think that you are going to really, really enjoy it. Then it's also the time to pick pears and Asian pears. Now slice up uh, pears into salads or eat them fresh off the tree. Or like we're going to be having at the Pear Festival, you can even make pear pies. Asian pears are crunchier. They taste more like apples with just that sweetness of the pear. So um, I prefer Asian pears to just regular pears. But you can also poach pears in brandy or port and use them as a dessert. It's time to divide those bearded iris. When the iris rhizomes are crowded, they will not bloom. So you have to use a sharp shovel to slice through the rhizomes and then you replant in other areas or share with friends. And even small pieces will grow into plants. Succession plant your arugula, your lettuce, your carrots, your beans, and your beets for crops that are continue to feed you through the fall. And then finally, of course, enjoy the bird because they are our favorite friends of our landscaping. And they provide entertainment, pest control, and nature nurture. Now, this is also the time of year if you are like bulbs, and bulbs are some of my very, very, very best friends, to start thinking about next year's garden because next month is the time that you're going to buy your bulbs or uh, you're going to order your bulbs and they'll be getting delivered by the end of September. And if you want a really beautiful succession of bloom that you can see in successful gardens, you have to have some planting and some fall planting. You can have crocus, daffodils, tulip flowers that will come up in March, April, and May. And then hydrangeas and shrubs will, can really get a significant head start if you plant them in the fall and allow them the time to uh, settle and establish root systems before beginning an extended flower show that's going to start next summer. And there are so many incredible bulbs out there. So you're going to want to get, you know, some Narcissus. You might want to get some peonies. Um, of course, as I said, Iris, Galanthus is amazing. might get some Licorice, and that's um, that's a great plant. I also like Lilium aspeciosum. These are lilies that I think are... Um, they're so beautiful. They're not deer-proof, though. You know, they're not, the deer really love them. I also throw seeds of hollyhock right now. It's, they are essential to every cottage garden. The actual name is alcea, and they are a true perennial hollyhock, but they really add beautiful vertical accent to any sunny bed. And Clematis, this is an old favorite, and you can get climbing or non-climbing Clematis. So, again, the season to do it. And if you're in shade, you might want to plant some hosta. Hosta works really well, and you can even collaborate that with some daffodils. So you can think about all these. Now, if you're trying to have a lot of color and you need some height, but you don't want the deer to eat in, think about allium. It is very distinctive. The flowers are long-lived. You can dry them. Uh, You can get them in globe shape. Some of them are kind of in shooting stars. There's all different kinds of allium, but um, they are really pretty, and you can get them in purples and pinks and whites, blues, and probably I think you can get them even in in yellows. Also, don't forget about anemones. And um, a woodland naturalizing collection would be good for any garden, and that would include, of course, crocus, and uh, scalia, and anemones, and um, you want some daffodils, and galanthus would always be good in that one as well. So these are just a few ideas for you as we come getting closer to fall all the time to be thinking about. So either pick up a catalog that has some blooms or, or blossoms, go to your Local nursery or um, or home center that has a nursery, and don't forget about the tulips. And I know that you know they most parts of the country they will not come up every year. You have to replant them, but they come in every different color and all different kinds of shapes. And something I think that tulips just make us smile and make us so happy. So happy gardening and happy growing. And hopefully this will just give you a little bit of ideas of what you want to do to get ready for the end of summer and go into fall. When we come back from break, we'll be talking about the gift of appreciation and we have lots more to come. So don't go away. My name is Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are on the Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.net. You
1: are
2: the star. Change your
4: world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan.
2: Sometimes we feel like nothing is going right in our lives. We all have days like this. But don't be afraid You needn't slay the beast or scale the entire mountain. It's not really how it's done. You only need to move through today. So think of the distance you've already covered. Focus on your strengths and let each new step remind you of your freedom. Let your every breath remind you that you are in power. Seek out friends and guides uh, who can help you through the tough times because your good friends and your good colleagues are anxious to be of assistance to you because you're not alone. You're understood. The road has been walked before. Life is just to dance and sometimes it's a few steps at a time and sometimes it is the full waltz. So you might just wake up and wonder, hmm, was I having a bad dream? Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business Bite from Star Style. For more information about booking a consultation or getting a coaching session, call 925 377 STAR, 925
1: 377 7827, or visit star style.com. Be the star you are. Light up the flame.
2: Well, we are here together, here on Star Style, Be The Star You Are. I am your personal growth coach and your empowerment guide. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and you're listening to us on the Empowerment Channel, coming to you live on the Voice American Network. This is Star Style, Be The Star You Are, and we hope that you are being the star you were born to be. Well, from time to time, I am bringing you different chapters from my award-winning book, be The Star You Are, 99 gift for living, loving, laughing, and learning to make a difference. I call this my heart book because I wrote it. Uh, I felt like it was divinely inspired. I totally wrote it from my heart. I wrote it the way I talk, and it just flowed. And I go back and read chapters today, or if I'm being interviewed somewhere, I people will say, read something to me, and I'm always amazed that I actually wrote it. So it's been quite the fun book. And I think what's more phenomenal for me is that over the years, since it was published, I continue to get emails, letters, and sometimes phone calls explaining to me and sharing with me how the book has changed their life or how a chapter they, a person read, came to them at the right moment, exactly when they needed it. And so this is why I bring it it onto the show again, even though the book has been out for a couple of years, because it really is an important book, and it makes people's lives better. The way if you can uh, use the book, it was meant to be that you open it at any place, and that's what you need for the day. There's 99 very short chapters uh, with just maybe two to three pages. And it's divided into gifts. So, you know, it starts like the gift of adventure and goes all the way through the gift of you. So it's, they're actually like virtues. And simple to, simple to read, always with a true story, a life quote, and an exercise that you can actually implement into your life immediately so that you can get on track. So today, I was asked to do the gift of appreciation. I mean, I I just appreciate life, and I appreciate everybody in my life, and I appreciate all the help that I've been given, and I always try to give out help. So I hope that you will enjoy the gift of appreciation and find something to be appreciative for, because the more we say thank you, the more we have to say thank you for. So be grateful for everything. A Porsche, an economics professor at my son's college, was astonished when one of his former students gave him a brand new sports car. The professor had always told his students that one day what they were learning in his class would help them succeed. And when you become a millionaire, he would joke, don't forget to buy me a Porsche. Well, 10 years later, one of those students came back for a visit and presented his teacher with that Porsche. The student had used what he'd learned to become one of the new technology millionaires. He never forgot the inspiration of his favorite professor and wanted to show his appreciation in an unexpected way. Can you imagine getting a Porsche when you're just kind of joking to your students? Well, as a cheerleading captain at her high school, Heather volunteered her squad to cheer at the wheelchair Olympics. The incredible athleticism of these courageous men and women thrilled her, and after a few minutes of competition, she no longer noticed that they were in wheelchairs. The competitors, in turn, were touched that a group of high school students wanted to cheer for them. They showered the girls with appreciation, compliments, and lots of smiles. Far more accolades than they had ever received from their own school teams, the squad decided to continue as the official cheerleaders for as many wheelchair events as possible. And appreciation made the difference in making each person feel special. So every day when I wake up, I take just a few minutes to say a prayer of appreciation for just the simple things, starting with being alive, working in my garden, laughing with my kids, holding hands with my husband, cleaning out my barn. All are very simple things, but they're ones that I appreciate greatly. We're on this planet for a very short moment. We can curse the darkness or... We can give thanks for the light. We can appreciate the roosters crowing in the morning or the rumble of the traffic and the bulbs pushing up from the winter snow or the rain washed sidewalk. We can appreciate your pillow at the end of the day, a stranger's smile, the broccoli for dinner. You can appreciate the challenges and the criticism that encourage growth and discovery. Appreciate the quiet moments that refresh Because we are all gifts to the universe and we only have this moment. So it's critical that we live in it, we cherish it, and we appreciate it. So the exercise is actually called be a gift. When you approach a a group of people, what are your first sensations? By regarding every one of them as a gift to you, believe that people are making and waiting to make a deal with you. How can you convey this message to them? Make them the gift. They want and need you in their life. And once you believe this, your body will convey that you are the gift. So create joy in your life this minute and appreciate just one little thing. So think about the gift of appreciation and decide for yourself what it is that you want to do to show appreciation to those around you or to those, um, to situations that may not have been, you know, so great. I mean, even when you're going through struggles and this last, these last few months for me have been really challenging, especially on a personal level. I'm still grateful that I'm going through it because I'm learning so much. I might be exhausted, but there's always, you know, I always say if you keep your face to the sunshine, you won't see the darkness. So, Just remember, even when one door closes, another door opens, so appreciate everything. Now, here's something I've been wanting to talk about, and it's how to clear your cerebral clutter. You don't need more time. You actually just need less static, and this is how leaders become more mindful. We can stop or slow down our tech intrusion because nothing derails like distractions, we become overworked and overwhelmed, and that's an all too present technology source of disruption in everybody's lives. Besides constantly checking our smartphones, we're switching screens on our computers 18 to 37 times an hour, and that's according to a University of California Irvine study. And it were an always on situation. So, savvy people learn how to turn it off. And to take some breaks. For me, I go into my garden or I go up and visit my animals. And that helps it. To ease the grind, another study showed that the average person can work for 45 to 90 minutes before performance begins to degrade. So even at that point, even answering a simple email can just drag on. So step back. Give your brain a chance to reset. Some workday refreshers can be as simple as getting up and just moving for a few minutes. Breathing deeply or, you know, just take a quick walk around the hall. If you can, just go outside for a minute or two and just breathe deeply. Also, be deliberate. To further combat a scattered approach and to be more mindful, we have to manage that gap between our thoughts and our actions an essential step is to stay in the present rather than ruminate over the past or obsess about the future. I know that's harder said than done, but mindfulness is not about clearing your brain. It's really about being able to think clearly and succinctly. So you, you can do this by creating some habits for yourself. High-performing executives keep very strict work routines that ensure productive workflow. These are personal operating rhythms. Most people start early. And if you are traveling for weekend, for uh, meetings and they start really early, you know, you want to make sure that you are prepared. So you can save answering emails for later, prepare the night before, and practice. Set limits. When you're not traveling, for example... Dedicate weekends and nights to family because by setting limits, there are guardrails that keep your life on track and keep it from, you know, getting off the track. Without balance between your personal and professional life, you just won't perform as well. And other people, they will leave their cell phone in the laundry room, you know, or in a room that they're not going to go to when they get home because that way they can control the distraction. And focus on family for a few hours. Or just turn it off. It's mindful. It doesn't require you being a Buddhist monk. Uh, One thing I do, besides having an office downtown for my studio, I also have a home office. And I will work in it very late sometimes. But I have a routine Of actually when I leave my home office I lock the door so I know that I'm leaving the office and that keeps me more on track now yes sometimes I go in in the middle of the night and go back to work but that's just because there might be something really big to do (laughs) find something intrinsic or within your control to provide drive motivation works best when it comes from within and recall your roots ever push so hard that you forget what drew you to the job in the first place don't forget to connect with what you enjoy about the world. And then be appreciative. So thank you for being great listeners. Thank you to my engineer, Matt, who works with me every single week and just does such a, a super job. Remember, you can change your life and make your dreams come true. For information about Star Style or myself, Cynthia Bryan, visit star-style.com. To make a donation to Be The Star You Are charity, visit btsya. Org. I hope you have been informed, encouraged, and had a little bit of fun. And until next week when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prev- prevails, and smiles will keep you happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. Have a great week. Dream, create, inspire, and make a difference. We'll be together next week, Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific.
1: The star you are, be the star you are. You are the star. Be you are. Keep caring.
0: It's been a pleasure bringing you our life changing program